There's never just two sides to a sports issue. Welcome to Three Sides Sports Talk. Welcome everyone to Three Sides Sports Talk. Todd, Jerry, and Jeff with you again. We are one week removed from the NFL draft. We've had some time to digest everything that happened. We celebrated uh, after the first round once the pick of Trey Lance was officially announced. We we all support that pick. That was that was big. Um, but that wasn't the only pick that the Niners had. We had a, a few more picks, uh, including some picks that I think solidified some depth positions and some what I considered luxury picks that they, they took advantage of in the middle rounds. But let's get into it. Um, I don't think there's too much to discuss regarding Trey Lance. We're going to get to the uh, the fallout, I guess, of Trey Lance. But let's just talk about the rest of the picks, starting with Aaron Banks, the offensive guard out of Notre Dame, going in the second, and Trey Sermon, the first pick in the third round, the running back out of Ohio State uh, to the Niners. Well, first of all, I'm just happy to see that you're all still here. Made it past Sunday Alive because, you know, Getting a little worried there based on what Kyle Shanahan was, was, I don't know if he was predicting. I don't know if he had, you know, Thanos's you know, power gauntlet glove or what, but uh, happy to see you guys are here healthy. Um, but as far as like the rest of the draft, you know, the whole draft, I thought it was really interesting for the Niners because as exciting as it was that the Niners took Trey Lance, obviously in the first round, I felt the rest of the draft was equally surprising. Because uh, despite a talented pool of wide receivers being available, the Niners chose none for the first time in like 18 years. Yeah. Um, and but instead they drafted, as you mentioned, um, Trey Trey Sermon. But not just not one, but two running backs. One of which being Trey Sermon, who's uh, more of a power back. Who that you know who they even had to trade up to get in the third round, which for me was a total shock. Um, especially since the running back room was already crowded with Mostert, Wilson, Hasty, uh, and Gallman. Um, and then the unusual moves didn't stop there. Oh no, the Niners also took two massive offensive guards of the road grader Coke machine variety, one of which you mentioned, Aaron Banks from Notre Dame, um, which doesn't seem to align with the Niners' zone blocking scheme. So it just makes me wonder if Prince Kyle is switching things up with the He-Man approach and targeting the power of Grayskull so that he can add another wrinkle for defenses to contend with. Something that I imagine Jeff's a fan of because he was preaching to us how much he loved the Sermon pick. Ain't that right, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, I loved it at that point. But initially, back to the the, the second pick, I thought we were going to go edge rusher. I think Aziz was still there. Um, and or receiver, um, what's his name, uh, Rondell Moore, possibly still there, before they traded back, at least. Um, and I was kind of hoping to get one of those guys because looking at our, at our receiver core, like you mentioned, didn't take a receiver at all. And after our first two guys, Samuel and Ayuk, then what do we have? So, which brings me back to then this pick, it sounds like Shanahan wants to just pound the rock. <laughs> You get Trey Sermon to help do that because he was a very physical runner. Um, And then you come back later on and get Elijah Mitchell. So um, it sounds like, yeah, we're going to get a huge guard in Aaron Banks, which I'm not sure if he graded the best at those. I hear some people say he was athletic and then some people say 
he's more of a, just a, just a run blocking machine, right? So are we just going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And then after we run the ball, then we're going to throw Trey Lance at you. Who's a mobile physical runner and or Kittle, Debo, and Ayuk, who nobody, and people have talked about this, nobody want to tackle those guys. So it sounds like we're just going to pound the rock, get yak, you know, and just out physical these other teams. And I don't know if teams like Arizona and the Rams are going to be able to compete with us defensively as far as that goes. So that's why I was okay with the sermon pick at that point. Um, but I did want one of those other guys in the beginning, but once they went banks, they're like, all right, well, we're just going to pound the rock and just keep doing it. Five, six, seven yards of carry. Let's go for it. Well, the, a couple things that were really interesting um, as excited as you were about the Trey Sermon pick, I was on the absolute opposite end. I was not excited, not because I don't like Trey Sermon. Cause I think he is, I think he's a good back. I think he's a productive back. He was, I mean, he was productive at Oklahoma. He's a smart guy. He graduated Oklahoma in like three years, then transferred to Ohio State. So he fits kind of the character mold of a Shanahan running back. A, a, a stick his foot in the ground, go and and go headfirst into into guys. He's not a mover and shaker. Uh, my problem was that I did think they were going to go cornerback or defensive end or edge rusher at that point, just considering they were, I thought they were starting to fill holes because Aaron Banks in the second round, I, I wouldn't say he would have been my pick, but right guard was probably second or third on my list of what, what I would wanted them to do. So if they deem that guy ready to go now, like you said, Jerry, he's a, he's a Coke machine he, and he's just, he's a road grader. Um, which isn't awful, I guess. I mean, you, you do want your guys to get out in space a little bit, which they showed he's gotten a, a little bit. He's not the old school guy, McIntyre, light guard, pulling around the end every other every other uh, play. But the idea that they started to fill these gaps um, and then you go with Trey Sermon, like you said, if, to a running back room that has Mostert, you just re-signed Jeff Wilson. You brought in Wayne Gallman and you gave him money. You had Jeff's favorite, Jamichael Hasty, who he wanted to see all last year. Plus, you got use check. You know, you got to count use check as a fullback in that running back room. So you're talking about some depth, which is great. But did you do that at the expense of another position? You know, and, and all these things I think we talked about early on. And in fact, we talked about last podcast when we were talking about the tight end position, because I know, Jared, you were champion possibly taking a tight end you know in the top three or four picks um or three or four rounds um and i was talking about that was probably a position they could bypass just because the chance of making the the team was so slim now if, if you're only if you're looking for guys to slide into the practice squad okay great but I, i'm looking at what are the positions we need competition at and they took two big offensive lineman Jalen Moore the the he, he played tackle you know in college and they but they list him as a guard so they're going to try and kick him inside so you got you got him you got Lakin Tomlinson now Lakin Tomlinson's one of the guys that we thought all offseason might warrant an extension um and they haven't given it to him so you're I'm kind of wondering are they just bringing these two new guys in to possibly create competition for Tomlinson Tomlinson should he, you know, not step up his game or, or whatnot? Um, I will say one interesting fact that should Aaron Banks 
or I'm sorry, I'm not not Aaron Banks. Um, but if you look at the the offensive line as a whole, you have four first round draft picks. You got McGlinchey, Trent Williams, Alex Mack, Lakin Tomlinson. So you're talking now, not 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 all by the Niners, of course, but you're talking about high level guys that were drafted. This is an offensive line who should be able to give Shanahan everything he wants in the running game. So um, that those are my thoughts. Uh, skipping, we'll skip forward, but you know they drafted um, a cornerback and a safety. So you're talking about trying to rebuild that secondary. Word came out late this week. Richard Sherman's not signed. He's open to a reunion. Could that be in the cards? Because Sherman made it sound like he wants to go to a, a place that can win a championship. So, and you've got to put the Niners at least in that conversation. So what are your guys' thoughts on the rest of the draft um, as a whole? I mean, again, we're talking about third through seventh round picks. You hope they become, you know, complementary pieces. You, you would love to have a George Kittle come up and be an all pro out of the fifth round, but is that going to happen? I don't know, but hopefully these guys provide the depth to an already established roster. What's funny, you mentioned about the tight ends because maybe the Niners just love Ross Dwelly as much as you love Ross Dwelly because they don't seem to want to bring in anybody to compete with him. I mean, come on. Who's this kid, this uh, Josh Peterson, Doug Peterson's son? I mean, yeah, that guy's not going to push Ross Dwelly. I mean, I wanted someone who can actually provide some competition. Now, maybe they, I don't know, maybe they still try to ter- turn back the clock and, and give uh, Delaney Walker a call. I don't know. But, but yeah, no, I mean, looking at the entire draft, it's funny because I was along the way, as we're going through it, I kept thinking, I wouldn't have taken that guy. I would have taken that. I would have taken this guy. But then at the end, you sort of get a bigger picture of, oh, okay, I see what they're doing, right? Like speaking of throwing it back, I mean, they're going back to the Mike Singletary, you know, physical with an F kind of mentality, but I'm sure Kyle Shanahan will make it work much better. But for me, I was initially dismayed that they traded their second round pick to the Raiders because Trayvon Merrig, the safety out of TCU, was right there for the Niners. And I thought he would have been perfect addition to the red and gold. And of course, the Raiders promptly took Merrig with that pick. And then I had flashbacks of 2017 because the Niners did the same type of thing when they traded their pick to the Saints and allowed New Orleans to take Alvin Kamara, who I really wanted. Um, but at least, hey, I know they, gra- they grabbed uh, Talanoa Hufanga in the fifth round um, as far as safety is concerned, but it's still undetermined whether or not, you know, he's fast enough to, to play safety in the NFL or if he's going to have to be an undersized linebacker. I mean, he does seem to play faster than his time speed, so it would definitely be awesome to have the guy they call the Trojan Missile um, make it in the secondary since the Niners didn't take any other safeties. Um, but I'm also really glad they took the cornerbacks, uh, Embry Thomas and uh, Diamador Lenore, which is the greatest name, by the way. Um, Thomas and Lenore look to be cut out of the Emmanuel Mosley mold with their lean athletic build with those long arms. So I'm definitely glad that the Niners selected those two in the back half of the draft, especially after seeing our division rivals all draft some of these speedy wide receivers. Yes, uh, very good point. Division rivals taking the receivers some of which who maybe I wanted to add in that slot. Um, I think that'll be one of our concerns going forward is the wide receiver depth. I mean, we're hoping for, you know, have a non-injury year for the most part, but 
you know, that depth is still Juwan Jennings and River Craycraft. And so, you know, if these other guys get hurt, I mean, I'm not sure where our depth is, but yeah, I mean, speaking of the draft, I'm, I was happy to get a couple corners. I don't know if they'll, they're ready to step in and, and compete uh, with Thomas and Lenore, um, whether or not they're better suited for, for the nickel, at least maybe one of them um, or can and work on the outside. Um, the one guy I was looking at, uh, was it, what's his name? Casey Hayward from the chargers. I guess he got signed by what was it? The Raiders Raiders. Yeah. Um, so, so he's off the board now as well. Um, and then getting that safety, like you mentioned, Hufanga and then another running back, Elijah Mitchell, maybe if he's any good, you could have a hard time getting him on the practice squad if that's their plan. Uh, but yeah, it just sounds like looking at the rest of the draft, they just, like I said, want to just pound the rock and then hopefully these guys all stay healthy. That's going to be the, the, the key all along, right? It's, we got to be healthy. And if we're healthy, we're going to be fine. So that's, I guess my, that's my thoughts, but. So real quick, sorry, because you were mentioning the wide receivers. That's the thing, health. And I don't know, are they relying on Jalen Hurd, who hasn't been able to stay healthy, or yeah. Jamon Jennings, or you know what I'm saying? But it, they did they did bring in the undrafted Austin Watkins out of uh, UAB, who, I don't know about you guys, but to me, he looks like a Kendrick Bourne clone. Yeah, so just, and, and to wrap some of that up is, I also was looking at, thinking that at some point they were going to go slot receiver, but you know, they did sign Mohamed Sanu, you know, they did, did have, you know, Travis Benjamin's coming back after his, his uh, opt out last year. You got, you kept Kevin White with his futures contract. You know, you got Jawan Jennings, got River Craycraft. None of these guys are going to, you know, you know, like deep, you know, none of these guys are going to keep defensive corners up at night, but neither was Kendrick Bourne when he came out initially, you know, so can one of these guys fit into, Shanahan's offense, we'll see. I mean, I would have loved for them to have, you know, taken one of these, you know, quick shifty receivers. But like you guys said, well, the rest of the NFL or the NFC West zigged with their, we're adding receivers, we're adding speed. The Niners zagged. We're going power football. We're going running backs and big offensive linemen, you know, and and power and physicality. That, that's that's kind of what they were going with. Um, I think one of the benefits, and we talked about this during free agency when by getting the band back together, by bringing K1 back, by getting Verrett, by having, you know, uh, Emmanuel Mosley as your corners, you had the luxury of bringing in Thomas. Who's not, you don't need him to step in right away. You're not putting the pressure on if he comes in and competes and wins the job. Great. But you're talking about Verrett, Mosley and K1 as your, you know, three corners, including your nickel. So, Again, going back to how productive the offseason was for the Niners and how important it was to bring these guys in, you didn't need to have these instant starters relied on later in the draft, especially after you trade up to number three, knowing, okay, we're going corner, and everyone else is going to have to take a back seat, and you're going to bring these guys in to compete. So I'm, I'm excited for that. I will say, I know Jeff had talked, when I had, I had mentioned my displeasure with the Trey Sermon Pick, Jeff had said, well, how can, how can you be so excited um, about the possibility of Najee Harris when we were talking about the Niners possibly, you know, trading back into the first round and type of thing? Um, it, it's Again, it's not the pick. It was just the timing of the pick. I think Najee Harris is a kind of a transcendent running back, at least for this, this running back class. And he could have been, he could have been the, the bell cow. He could have been your version of Roger Craig catching balls out of the backfield. Like that's a different type of animal. 
And I was okay with the Elijah Mitchell pick because again, you're talking about speed. You're talking about getting to the edge. You're talking about a guy who's making people miss and he's late in the draft. So that was okay. It was the Trey Sermon kind of right in the middle. It's like, that's a luxury pick, you know, that to bring in a good player into a running back room that's already established. I mean, hey, if, if Sermon comes in and, you know, supplants, you know, Wilson as maybe the number two running back, and I got to say, one of the big things, and I, and I forget who I was mentioning in this too, I think this draft showed you just how mentally defeated Shanahan and Lynch were last year with the injuries. They, you lose Jimmy, you got to go to Nick Mullins, you lose Mostert, you, you, you know, McKinnon was hurt. You, you saw what it, re, it took them when they put these other guys on the, on the field, and it just wasn't Shanahan's offense. And I think those guys said – to themselves in their draft room, we're not having that happen again. If we lose Mostert, we're not taking such a drastic step down. If we lose Jimmy or we lose, we're not taking such a drastic step down. We are solidifying this team where you, you want to talk about next man up mentality. That's what Trey Sermon is. That's what, you know, Trey Lance is going to be as the quarterback position. Then Jeff Wilson, then, you know, all these types of guys, they did not want to have to go through that, again, fingers crossed, health is, you know, not as, as big of an issue as it was last year. But those were the things that I took away from the draft was they were not going to let injuries derail them as much as it did last year. Yeah, yeah. real quick, I was just going to say that exact same thing. You laid it out perfectly. But yeah, from, from the Trey Lance pick to the guards to the running backs, if these guys get hurt, I can just put another guy in there. I mean, because last year, obviously, it was super defeating when all those guys went down and they had nobody to fill the spot. So they're like, I cannot be in this position again. And um, as for your trade up and, and the fact that the, the Niners missed out on uh, Trayvon Mooring, the safety who you know, went right to the Raiders. Uh, it, it came out later on that he had a, he hurt his back during training, um, which caused a red flag, which is another thing. Like we, as you watch the draft, if I was wondering why is, um, Jeremiah Wosu Koma from Notre Dame falling. Why? Why this guy was? This guy was a top 15, 20 draft pick, and all of a sudden he's falling into the second. Turns out he's got a heart condition. Why is um, the the defensive end from uh, Georgia um, Ojulari? Ojulari. Yeah, yeah. Why is he fall? Turns out he had hip hip and leg issues. So all of these things that end up either coming out later, like the teams know these things or should know these things. And then it's up to them and their doctors to decide, nah, it's okay. We're giving him a clean bill of health. No, it's okay. You know, and some teams are like, nope, red flag, you know, cross him off the list. So it's interesting to see those types of things that we will never be privy to unless you're lucky enough to get, you know, hired by the NFL in a team and, and sit in those draft rooms and know which, which players have the red flag on them. But that being said, how we were, you know, fooled, I guess you could say about these players, because we're going off mock drafts. The entire NFL media world was completely flummoxed or just flat out wrong about the Niners pick. Um, and it's interesting to see them now. And I just want to get your guys' thoughts because a lot's come out in the past week. What do you think, and, and we'll never know until Shanahan retires in 20, 30 years and writes his book about the, the offseason of 2021, about what really happened. We'll never know. But what do you guys think happened? Because you hear 
Kyle and John's take about they saw they saw Trey Lance's tape in early January. They fell in love with him. They started to do things. They made the trade, blah, blah, blah. And then you hear guys like Michael Lombardi come out this week and say, no, they're lying. They're absolute flat-out lying. They traded up for Mac Jones. The outside pressure got to them, and they changed their mind, which I think is complete crap because there is, Shanahan and Lynch, and I'm going to say this as a positive, do not care what the fans think. They do not succumb to oh we got this this guy is being batted around on twitter and i don't know if we can go but i don't think that pressure had anything to do with their pick now we can decide or or judge for ourselves was mac jones really in the conversation was he like just a figment of the media's imagination so i want you guys to give me your thought what do you think happened well I don't think the three of us necessarily bought into all of the Mac Jones talk because it just didn't make any sense. Um, so I don't know who they're all these guys, their sources or quote unquote sources are. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, look to hear all these media guys now trying to cover their asses because they just can't accept that they were so blatantly wrong about the Niners supposedly taking Mac Jones for me, it's just, Flat out pathetic. I mean, for Michael Lombardi, a former NFL exec, to claim that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan changed the biggest draft decision in their Niners tenure because they succumbed to outside pressure? Come on. I mean, they he called it a crock of crap that they're lying. If anything's a crock of crap, that's a crock of crap. And it's no wonder that Lombardi kept getting fired and is no longer part of any NFL front office anymore. Because I mean, if he's paying attention, Lynch and Shanahan have consistently been a vault when it comes to keeping their business in-house until they're ready to make it public. I mean, think about how stunning it was when the Niners traded for Jimmy Garoppolo or when the Niners moved up for this year's number three pick. I mean, they, they've never leaked. You know, they never leaked info. They, they've even kept Jed York and his tweets under wraps till now. You know, yet somehow these these clowns believe that Kyle and John were going to tell the world who they're drafting months in advance. I mean, that was never going to happen. I mean, although Kyle did provide some crumbs as clues when he did say his prototype was not Kyle Kirk Cousins, but rather John Elway. You know, so right there you knew he was not leaning Mac Jones, despite what the media wanted to believe. You know, and now you've also got Chris Sims and Mike Florio claiming the Niners screwed themselves because they didn't need to trade up to grab Trey Lance. Dude, let me tell you, they most definitely needed to trade up because that's the quarterback I believe the Panthers wanted. And the Niners beat them to the punch. So Carolina had to settle for Sam Darnold. You know, I mean, sorry if that it's a blow to your ego, Chris Sims, Mike Florio, and Michael Lombardi, but y'all just got to accept the egg on your face, stop hating on the Niners. And just know, y'all got played by your sources. And you got to move on. Yep, I agree. I think it's somewhat refreshing that there's no leaks under this regime. I mean, obviously before, it must have all been Balky because there was always all these leaks, and the only common denominator was Balky, right? So, so this is really nice that uh, there aren't any leaks. So I can appreciate them keeping that close. And I'll even take their word for it that, you know, Jed wasn't in the loop, which eh, I don't know if I really buy that, but 
whatever. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, they keep this uh, totally you know, close to the chest, keep it a secret. And uh, I think the problem is everyone thought or assumed, right, that it was Mac. I was guilty of that as well. Oh, it has to be Mac. He's just like Matt Ryan. He's just like Kirk Cousins. And they just went with it. So I, I just take, I, at this point, I'm taking Shanahan at his word that he saw this guy, Trey Lance, and got more tape on him and, and started doing more research on him and thought, this is the guy I want to take. I'm being quiet about it. John, you be quiet about it, whatever. And, uh, and yes, everyone was wrong about it and they just let it go. So I think that was uh, a good way to do it because the whole NFL world had no idea what was going on. And now all these guys are backtracking and, Oh, whatever. That doesn't make any sense. And they must be lying. I mean, come on. I don't don't buy it. No. And, and I'll, and, and, Again, I've said it before. I think Shanahan and Lynch are almost too honest at times during their press conference because yeah. as you go back and listen to them and you talk, you hear you hear Shanahan say, oh, I would love a quarterback who is Drew Brees and moves like Lamar Jackson. Okay, that's kind of who you got. <laughs> you know, like th- that, yeah. that's not Matt Jones. So, like, that should have been crossed off. But I, I will say, and this just goes to the the – you know, 24 hour news cycle, the social media news cycle. I don't, I I believe Mm -hmm. Michael Lombardi when he, I believe, I believe he believed that they were taking Mac Jones because whoever he was talking to in the Niners organization, whatever assistant coach or whoever in the Niners organization, he told they probably said, I, I think, I think Kyle likes Mac Jones. So he's taking that. And as a source, so it's not that Kyle and John were leaking. You need better sources. Or when you're as tight as they are in terms of nothing coming out of that building, and by all accounts, to, to hear it, John Lynch and Shanahan, and then they told Jed on like Tuesday or Wednesday, and no one else knew, including Trey Lance, including Trey Lance's agent. The agents were calling saying, hey, can you let us know which way you lean in, like, should we, I need to prep my client. I, and they're like, no, you know? So like, it's not, it's not that Lombardi got it wrong. His source got it wrong. And if you, to hear Shanahan talk, he had his mind made up, but he doesn't tell anybody cause he wants honest feedback. So if he's sitting with, you know, a, a position, if he's sitting with uh, a, the quarterback coach, right. And t- talk to me, let's have this conversation and quarterbacks talking Quarterback coach is talking about, oh, I think Trey Lance. And then just to play devil's advocate, Shanahan's going, well, Matt Jones, you know, does this real well. Matt Jones does this real well. Well, the quarterback coach might walk out of that meeting and go, he really likes Matt Jones. Like he was poking holes in all my Trey Lance. So he must like, hey, hey, Mike, guess what? Uh, I think I think coach likes Matt Jones. And that's how these things start. So it boggles my mind that these media guys just won't take the egg on their face and go, we got played. Yeah, no, nobody likes to be scooped, right? None of these media guys like to be scooped. They all want to be, but when nobody got it right, don't you just go, eh, okay, we got to try better next time. We got we got the first couple and we got a bunch later on, but we didn't get that one. I mean, I'm just wondering what part of Kyle's story, when he lays it out, like how everything, you know, fell into place, how it all developed, what part of it was not plausible? You know what I mean? Like it all made sense the way, he started looking at tape in January and he sort of fell, fell, I guess, in love with what he saw of Trey Lance. 
you know, and obviously at the time they weren't necessarily going to take Trey Lance. They were still in the, do we trade for Matt Stafford? Do we trade for Deshaun Watson? I mean, obviously it was all a part of it. Right. But I mean, to, to just come out of the gates with, you know, guns a blazing going, yes, they're taking Mac Jones and never deviating from that. That seemed really weird to me that, that, that would like, they would have made up their mind right from the jump and they would have let everybody know about it. And, then that would have been the thing. I mean, that would have been the ultimate letdown, you know, right? The ultimate, the, like the worst kept secret in all in, in the history of professional sports. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, as much as it may pain us as fans to go through, you know, those five or eight weeks, depending on, you know, and, and who's it going to be? And like, we just want to know, we want to know. It's like, you were going to find out. You knew exactly when you were going to find out. You were going to find out draft day. If you knew beforehand, great. It's like it's like find out what your Christmas presents are a couple of days ahead of time. Not that you're not excited about the presents and you're not going to be excited when you get to open them, but having to wait, you know, is frustrating for some people, which I'm completely fine with. I am completely fine with how that how that works out, you know, and you just got to you just got to accept that since this regime has taken over, Things don't leak. I mean, even the trade up to number three, there was discussion afterwards about how they had been working on it for a week. They had been working to try and get up into the top five. You never heard that. You never heard that they were trying to trade up until it happened on the day that they traded up. And all of a sudden it comes out and they're like, yeah, we were actually trying. We've, we've had discussions at three, four, five. We talked to two. They didn't want. So it's like, it's no wonder these guys can keep a secret. It's, and it's refreshing. And who on God's green earth would believe that if Kyle Shanahan wanted to take Mac Jones and, and had such strong convictions about Mac Jones that, I mean, that not only somebody could even talk him out of it, but that the fans or the outside pressure would somehow make him stand down. I mean, that would just never happen. No, right. that, that, yeah. Um, I mean, but I, I mean, I think that the, that covers the Niners bit. Um, pretty well, and uh, I'm excited that next week is rookie tr- rookie minicamp. Uh, the got the rookies are going to be in. Um, they're going to start the process of learning the playbook. You're going to start hearing about you know who's taking reps and who's running with the ones and who's running with the twos, and you know then a couple weeks later you get the veterans coming in, and it's all going to lead up towards you know early June. Then you take a break, and training camp is going to be middle middle of July. So it's going to be exciting to hear about that, but there's, there's a story out there in the NFL universe that is just even bigger than, you know, the draft. It, it got, it supplanted the draft on the first day of drafting, which was all seemingly impossible to do. And that's Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Um, and I, again, as a, I'm not a fan of the Packers, I'm not, I mean, I enjoy watching Aaron Rodgers. I think he's, you know, an incredible talent, but to, as an outsider, just to watch this, it's incredible to hear the posturing and the digging in the hill. So I want to get your guys' thoughts. What's happening? What do you think is going to happen? And is Aaron Rodgers going to be the next, the next Jeopardy host? Is that, what, is that what's going to happen? Well, I mean, the Aaron Rodgers situation is fascinating to me from a big picture standpoint, um, specifically in terms of how it relates to the Niners and why the Mike Nolan regime didn't draft him. Because when you're a traditional football guy like Nolan, 
you want guys who just do as they're told, right? And clearly Rogers is more of a free thinker who marches to the beat of his own principles, which I think is awesome, but that certainly doesn't fly with the traditional football guys. Um, and certainly not a team like the green Bay Packers. Um, but it makes even more sense to me now why they drafted Alex Smith. Number one, because Smith was the ultimate company man who stuck by the Niners through thick and thin. And there was a lot of thin was never bitter towards any of the teams who replaced him with the younger quarterback and basically was a good soldier for every team he played on till the end. Now, as far as what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, I think unless the Packers just give in and give him another lucrative contract extension, which commits them to Aaron for the next few years and whatever else he wants, I just don't see Rodgers playing another snap for Green Bay. Um, Personally, I think the Pack will have to trade him when push comes to shove because honestly, I've never understood the comment like, you just can't trade this guy or we're not trading this icon under my watch. Dude, Bill Walsh traded Joe Montana. So get over yourselves. If Montana can be traded, anybody can be traded. Yeah. Initially had several different thoughts on this until today. I don't know if you guys heard this. I heard Schefter this morning on uh, Dan Patrick show. I don't know if you heard this interview and he said that he's been following this stuff uh, for months and there was no new information that came out that he just decided before he got scooped himself to release this random information the day of the draft that A-Rock wanted out with no new information. The same information that was happening from January or two years ago on. And I thought, because even Dan Patrick said, I don't know. And some callers said, like, how, how good is that journalism? You just released this story with no new information. And we all love Schefter, but I'm like, there's nothing to this necessarily. You just released it to make it a story before someone else came out with the story. So I'm totally confused on, on, on all that. Um, I think A-Rod is a little bit, you know, obviously, you know, he wants to be, you know, the center of attention and, and all this. And I think they've kind of done him dirty as well. You see all these other teams talk to uh, the quarterback, say, hey, we're taking a quarterback. That doesn't happen with the Packers. So he definitely has a reason to be upset, I guess. Whether or not he gets traded or whether Gutenkus gets fired, it's really bizarre. It's Like you said, Jerry, it's really, it's really fascinating, the whole thing. But I just thought – the whole story, the way it came out, like there was nothing new, I guess. It was all just old information. Yeah, I did. I heard that. I heard that interview and I, I re, dude, I completely respect Adam Schefter, but I'm calling BS. There's absolutely, there's absolutely no way he had been sitting on that story and just decided the day of the draft to go like, yeah. you know what? I'm going to drop this bombshell. Something yeah. happened. And whether that was Rogers giving him a nudge, like, Hey, I I've been trying to push them for the past, you know, month to, you know, get something do- done and they've been ignoring me. If you release it, was, it would help, you know, because the fact that Schefter replied to those, to what his report included as of today, you know, the Packers have no comment or we, no. so like he had, there was, there was a today element to his story. Like he had followed up that day. So I believe he had the story, but why, why break it then? I mean, who does it benefit? It benefits Rogers. It, it benefits him to put pressure on the, the Packers to either 
trade him that day of the draft and get what they can, including, you know, first round talent or, or whatnot, or it puts pressure on them to go, you guys take another, you know, corner defensive tackle. I am going to just lose my mind, right? It puts pressure on the Packers. So I got to think there was a little bit something more than, than Schefter and, and he's going to protect his sources. He's not going to say, Oh yeah, I was, I was pushed by anyone. He's going to put it out there. Um, I will say, I will disagree a little bit, Jerry, because as, as Bill Walsh traded Joe Montana, he didn't have a complete unknown quantity sitting behind him. He had seen Steve Young in his offense for, you know, cumulatively almost two years because of Joe's injuries. Jordan Love wasn't good enough to be the backup to Rodgers last year. He was inactive. He, I mean, how can you be inactive? Like, I mean, Rodgers is the Iron Man, right? He doesn't get hurt. He plays every snap. So why, why inactive? And that's just because we have no faith that this guy can go in there and even execute the simplest of handoffs. So I think the Packers are, are in an extreme pickle right now because – if those rumors are to believe to be believed, Love's not ready to take over. They're going to have no other choice to but to make nice with Rodgers because if they do trade him, I mean, obviously they're not going to get much in right now in terms of immediate help because the draft's over. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have somebody you know give a couple three first round draft picks, but they're not going to start until next year. So. The Packers are not going to be able to recoup anything, and then you're, they're going to be putting in, you know, Jordan Love. And this is a team. This is a team that just hosted the NFC Championship game. This team is not. You would think is not far away from a championship. However, Rodgers retires. You trade him. You do something. To me, that's almost a fireable offense of the GM that you let your your team plummet to below mediocrity because of this because you were not good enough in your team building your relationship building and I I don't know I mean I like I said in the beginning I like Rodgers I respect his talent he's fun to watch Jerry called him a free spirit I guess that's a nice way to call him a little bit of a diva a little bit of an a-hole I mean because the idea is you were again. You were just in. The, I, I understand your frustration that you're not getting these skill level players, which is by all means. But uh, I don't know the, the the idea that, and and maybe we can go back to Tom Brady because Tom Brady just orchestrated everything in in the Tampa Bay to bring in everyone he wanted, and that's what Russell Wilson wanted, and then that's what you know Aaron Rodgers wants. But at some point. You know, I think it's gone. I, I I agree with you, Jerry. It's probably gone too far for them to make nice. But if the Packers are going to be competitive, they have to have Aaron Rodgers this year. Well, and, and I think with regards to Rodgers and his frustrations, I think it's just they've forced him to do it all. I mean, granted, you know, they have Devontae Adams. But, I mean, I've, I'm sure behind the scenes he's been clamoring, just get me a good number two receiver. Just – I mean, I can, I can only do so much. Just give me a little bit more and I can take us to the promised land. And they just seem to refuse to give him that extra little more. And granted, they, they got Aaron Jones. They got him in a later round. But still, they, you didn't – it wasn't like they – I don't know, maybe 
it's easier for a scout to say, yeah, we intentionally got Aaron Jones and he's, he, we saw this in him. So we knew he was going to turn out this way, but anyway, I mean, I mean, for me, I think, it, like you said, with the Tom Brady thing, I think a lot of these quarterbacks, as they get up in years, they know they can't do it all by themselves and they need more help. And when the team isn't willing to commit the resources to giving them the, the help, because they're so used to their quarterback covering all of the team's faults and blemishes that, you know, like Tom Brady pretty much took it in, it, it took it into his own hands and decided I'm out of here, which if anything, the problem with Aaron Rodgers is the last contract extension he signed. Like he shouldn't have signed that, right? He should have just said, you know what? The writing's been on the wall for so long. We saw it even with Brett Favre. This organization is never, ever going to cater to one player, even if it's the quarterback. So let me write it out in this last, last contract and, See, see what my options are thereafter. But, you know, but it's hard to, because, you know, a lot of people like to paint Aaron Rodgers as some diva, but I honestly think he loves being a Packer. I think if, if, if it were up to him, he'd stay there and he'd want to win another championship in that city. But unfortunately, I think it's just got to a point where him and management just does not see eye to eye. And I don't think that at, uh, Adam Scheffner would be sitting on a story. Why would you sit on this kind of story? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, especially if, like you release it, before the draft, I mean, be- yeah, before the actual draft happens, oh my gosh, like that's just another layer of intrigue and craziness, you know, I mean, it doesn't benefit the Packers to have this kind of last minute thing get out there. And I'm sure it was Aaron Rodgers going, dude, hey, I've been trying to get out of here and they've not done a darn thing. They haven't moved at all. So this is what's happening. And boom, Schefter, you know, reported it. That's what I think. Yeah. Real quick, just a couple, a couple things. So like, I think what what we saw with Tom Brady and somewhat kind of handpicking different guys, I think we saw that then happen with Russell Wilson earlier on in the offseason and now with Aaron Rodgers, both of them saying, hey, I, I need you guys to do this for me. You know, we're seeing it happen over here, which all these guys aren't necessarily Tom Brady, and that situation and the scenario is different. He was a free agent, et cetera. One thing you alluded to, Jerry, a little bit, why does Aaron Rodgers then, you know, extend last time? Or why does he want then maybe to be extended again this time? All you're doing is eating up more of the cap, and then they can't go get anybody for you anyway. So it's 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 kind of weird both ways. I mean, do you want more money or you want guys or you don't like Kudenkunz? He's only been there for like a year or whatever. So I don't know. it's just really bizarre. I don't know. Well, if they extend him, then there's that commitment that he's still their guy. Right. right. So I think that's the one thing that he'd want assurance because right now he's just like, a, you know, he's just a rental. He's going to be on what is it one more year and then whatever. And, and he just wants assurances that he can, he wants to be there for a longer term and they don't need to spend more money. I think all he's asking for is hey, draft me a guy, draft me a guy instead of drafting my replacement, draft me right. a guy instead of drafting another corner, right? Draft me an O lineman or draft me a, you know, a receiver. All right, so let's let's play a let's play a quick game. Is is Aaron Rodgers taking snaps for the Green Bay Packers week one of the NFL season? No. Jeff? Oh I'll go with yes then. <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> um I also think he will be taking snaps for the Green Bay Packers. Um, but let now flip it over to the Niners. Is Jimmy Garoppolo taking snaps for the 49ers week one of the NFL season? That one's a tougher one. Um, I would say yes. 
I think so. Yeah, I would say at this point, uh, with him not getting traded during the draft or whatever, I think yes, and he's going to be the guy until further notice. Like I think I, Trey, I think Trey Lance starts after Jimmy gets hurt again. So that'll right. be like what in week three or four. <laughs> well, and and I agree. I think I think Jimmy will be taking taking snaps. Um, and kind of the you know the big, uh, not even a big story, but uh, Jed York was on Matt Mayoko's podcast, and they they talked, and Jed said something along the lines of, "Yeah, you know, J- Jimmy's here a year or two. That's great." You know, if he's if he's here leading us to Super Bowls and winning championships and people got up in arms like you can't sit Trey Lance for two years. Like, do you guys not listen to the full, you know, statement? If Jimmy goes out and wins a Super Bowl. Nobody's going to kick. Nobody's going to go. You know what? I wish we didn't win because I really want to. trade. But he left that basic caveat in terms of if things aren't going well then yes, we're turning it over to Trey Lance because that's what's going to give us the best chance to win, you know, win a championship. So like these people who get up in arms, I'm like, I, I don't care if Jerry Sue is taking snaps for the 49ers. If you tell me you're going to win the next two Super Bowls, it doesn't matter. Who cares? You know, that's, and that's the, 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 the second part of all these answers. Like all they hear is me like, what do you mean Jimmy's going to play for two years? If he leads you to Super Bowls, like, there's always something, you know, following it. So, and I, you know, when I saw that comment, I didn't really take it for face value. All I saw was, all I did was read between the lines and, and thought, this is Jed's way of taking the pressure off, right? Yeah, yeah. Taking the pressure off. Like, we're not saying he's got to have, he has to play right away. Right. Not to, not to mention maintaining some level of, uh, you know, draft ability in terms of if you're going to trade Jimmy, we're not giving him away. Like he's, right. he's important to our plan. So if your quarterback goes down with an ACL, don't think you're going to be able to come in here and, you know, offer a sixth rounder and get Jimmy. So like he's right. part of our plans. But no, as crazy as this sounds, I could actually foresee Trey Lance being the week one starter, right? I mean, he looks like he's got a good command of the offense in practice and they, and they feel like Lance gives them a bet, the best chance to win. Maybe they just roll with him game one. I mean, Jimmy has not traditionally fared well in training camp. So, you know, Trey starting immediately is definitely a possibility. Now, I, of course, I think the ideal scenario for the Niners would be that Jimmy plays the role of Steve DeBerg and Trey, you know, being the Joe Montana so they can slowly get Lance up to speed. But, you know, crazier things have happened. Yeah, yeah. From all from all accounts, from what I, you hear is like, oh, Jimmy isn't the best practice quarterback, so maybe Trey will look really good. But I think still, I mean, Jimmy's the guy until he's not the guy. And if we put in a package for uh, Trey Lance, great. Maybe you go that route, and then we'll just see how things go. I mean, I think we're definitely competitive. If if Jimmy's playing well enough to to stay in there, then things are fine. So there's no rush at this point. No pressure. Yeah, and I I think Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated he had a great. Um, he's kind of, I mean, he's been documenting when, when do rookie quarterbacks take, when do they take their first snap? Right. And up until, gosh, I think he said the Joe Flacco year, what was that? Like 2000 and I don't even know. Whenever Joe Flacco came in. Um, Jerry would know. Yeah. Jerry 2008. 2008. Like everyone before that, you know, you're talking about Vince Young, Matt Liner, Jay Cutler, you know, Aaron Rodgers, like, 
Jason, like all these first round draft pick quarterbacks, they sat. Jason Campbell didn't start till his 26th game. Eli Main didn't start till his 10th game. Phillip Rivers is 33rd game, you know, but after that, it became Cam Newton first game, Brandon Wheaton first game, Robert Griffin first, like then it became, I don't know, pressure oriented or, or whatever that all of a sudden it became that these guys got pushed except for Patrick Mahomes, who sat behind then Alex Smith, and he didn't get he got a start in week 16 of that year because the Chiefs had wrapped up their their playoff spot. There was nothing to play for. You're gonna start getting to see what this guy's like. But said, but other than that, you're talking about all these guys being pushed for first game. And you start looking at these these quarterbacks and you're like, is that what is the problem? Is that is these are these guys thrust into situations that they're not quite ready for, which is why if Jimmy can take snaps and stay healthy and Trey comes in when he beats him out, then you're good. Don't you can't put Trey in if he if he hasn't beat Jimmy out. You it would feel incomplete. And I think everyone on the roster would see that. Like uh, he's just getting this because Jimmy got hurt. He's just but those guys are gonna be able to see during practice, this guy's better. If this guy's better, and I think Shanahan said it, Shanahan was on the Rich Eisen podcast, and he said, I'm not going to say I'm not going to start a, cor- a rookie quarterback. I'm not going to start. I'm not going to say I will start a rookie quarterback. He's got to earn it. And I think that's a perfect way to go into the season because you have the luxury of having a core group. You have a veteran quarterback. You're not pushing Trey Lance to have to be the savior right away. And you said it. Jimmy doesn't always fare well, you know, during training camp. We're, we're only going to have three preseason games. Does, you know, Trey get in there? And I would say Trey will be part of some kind of packages, you know, to, to, to run. Not so much a gimmick, but, you know, he's going to take some snaps and it's going to be exciting to see. I think that will wrap up kind of this week because as much as the, the draft kicks off kind of the next season, next week, May 12th, when we're scheduled for our next podcast, that's schedule release day. So you're going to be able, we're going to be able to pull up the schedule. We're going to see where's the long road trip? Where's the long homestand? Where is the game against Nashville? Because I got to buy my tickets and get that solidified. As we said, that's the road trip this year. So, but that's a week away. We have one, one more week to digest and see what happens. Uh, come rookie, rookie training camp, rookie mini camp and OTAs. But before we get out of here, as always, Jerry, your final thoughts. So just wanted to share a moment of gratitude. People say, you know, having moments of gratitude is healthy. So first of all, I just want to thank Jeff for my three side sports talk shirt that I'm sporting. I feel all swaggy, I think, as the kids like to say these days. Um, also wanted to say how grateful I am that Kyle and John are sane people despite, you know, having the crazy jobs that they have, because let's face it, sometimes coaches in front of us office, people can be a little crazy and make crazy decisions. So, you know, whether or not these draft picks pan out, at least I know that Kyle and John have a reasonable vision and they've based their decisions on substance rather than a game of rock, paper, scissors, like a certain coach in Philadelphia. Right. And also I'm, lastly, I'm really thankful for Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I know I give him a hard time about, you know, how he's performed on the field. But I mean, what can I say? You know, I thought when the Niners drafted Trey Lance 
it might have started, it just might start to get Jimmy to crack. Might start getting under his skin, but still not. Jimmy has been the ultimate professional. And I mean, it goes without saying, I think part of the reason why the Niners have been so successful, I know we've talked about the record, but just him being the quarterback of the team and setting the tone of professionalism, I think has gone a long way in terms of, you know, part of the, t- the turnaround along with Shanahan and all the, you know, this whole new regime. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think, yeah, I think Jimmy, the way he's responded to all this is really refreshing and it's been really nice for him to be professional. Say I, I, he reached out to, to Trey Lance. Uh, I will take him under my wing like Tom Brady did for me. So great to hear in contrast to Aaron Rodgers and that whole situation. Um, but also the Niners keeping, um, you know, Jimmy in the loop saying, Hey, by the way, we're taking a quarterback. So, right. It's all about the communication. It makes this a lot, it go a lot easier. Uh, but speaking of the quarterbacks who didn't do very well in the draft, right? The Washington football team, <laughs> no quarterback. What are you guys doing next year? Who's your quarterback? Kyle Allen, Fitzpatrick, Jerry, I love Fitzmagic, but I just thought that was odd. No quarterback. Whereas like the Buccaneers, they take Kyle Trask. That's a pretty good, pretty good draft pick, I think, right? Um, two other teams, real quick, speaking of quarterbacks. So the Panthers go, you're going with, I know you to love this. Sam Darnold, really? You could have got Justin Fields, but no, right? You could have Justin Fields and McCaffrey in the backfield. No, we'll stick with Sam Dart with Sam Darnold and just take our chances. Uh, with that, with that lineup. And then the Texans, I don't know if we, we didn't get to this either. The Texans, your first pick, like what, three years, you took a quarterback. What are you doing? <laughs> That's the best thing you can do. So I guess Deshaun isn't playing this year back to the whole Deshaun Watson thing. He's either not playing for the Texans this year or not playing at all, I guess at this point. So I just thought that was kind of odd. Rich Eisen really thought that was odd during the draft. I mean, I don't think enough was made of it, but your first pick is Davis Mills or whatever his name is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Todd. Um, I, I will say that the, the addition of the 17th game in the NFL schedule is going to be record setting because it's possible the teams, AKA the Houston Texans can just set that record right away. Oh, and 17 because goodness gracious, like you you are a train wreck out there. And thank goodness Todd McShay has put out his 2022 mock draft so the Texans can have a whole year to study about who to take because they are. there is no way they are going to be favored in any game. In fact, if they are less than a touchdown uh, underdog, it's going to be a miracle. They are such a dumpster fire. On the contrary, you take a team like the Niners and people will, you know, badmouth Kyle to a certain extent because he's only had one winning season in his in a tenure as a head coach. But you look at every NFL power ranking. Now take those for what they're worth, but every single person or expert thinks the Niners are a top at minimum 10. Some people have them a top 5, you know, team. Mike Silver says they're the team to beat in the NFC. So the respect for Kyle John and the 49ers could not be, you know, further from a team like the Houston Texans, who 
They just do not seem to have a compass to point them towards north. I do want to have one other thought, and it's not football related, and it's actually something that's just happened, and it goes back to a final thought that I had maybe about a month ago, and that was about understanding and respecting greatness and just understanding what it is. And I'm sure our listeners, there is not a whole lot of California Angel fans out there. So the fact that Albert Pujols just was essentially let go, designated for assignment, um, barely made a ripple in the sports world. And some can say that's because baseball's taken a downward turn or Albert Pujols is 41 and you know, that's what happens to aging stars. But you have to understand what the greatness was for a guy who was drafted in the 13th round by the Cardinals, went to three World Series, won a couple championships, was a three-time MVP, then moved to California and essentially signed his $250 million contract and was only a one-time all-star. The Angels were never able to put, you know, decent pieces around him until Mike Trout came along. And now Mike Trout is kind of floundering in Anaheim because they can't do anything. And then on top of it all, you have Shohei Otani, who is, I don't know if he's the least respected superstar out there or, or whatnot. There have been four times in Major League Baseball history that somebody has hit 10 home runs and struck out 30 people in a major league season. Two of them were done by Babe Ruth. You're talking about the all-time greatest oracle of baseball. And now Shohei Otani has done it twice. He, in two years, he's hit 10 home runs. He struck out 30. And nobody's talking about it. And I think that Anaheim Angels are just, they have become the black hole of sports and it's and it's too bad because they have had Albert Pujols they have Mike Trout they have Otani and those guys are completely having their career wasted and they are not being able to be showcased on the biggest stages and it's disappointing as a sports fan because if you enjoy just watching greatness you should enjoy watching those guys and it's disappointing that more people are not so you know what I got all of all that Right. You're old, man. You refer to the, the Angels as the California Angels and then the Anaheim Angels. They're the Los yeah. Angeles Angels, buddy. Uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, which, yeah. is in Cali- <laughs> which, is in, which is in Orange County of California. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, right? Yeah. And I've thought the same thing. You got Mike Trout, possibly. How many times has he been MVP already? And the, they're in L.A., for God's sakes. Why is there no coverage for these guys, man? Just get this guy some help. Give him some pitching. <laughs> see this is why you guys you guys you guys crap all over aaron Rodgers. this is why aaron Rodgers wants to get out of green bay he needs some help mike trout he needs some help but then mike trout went ahead and signed a 20-year contract so whatever yeah but when you're getting 400 million or whatever that he got i mean you're <laughs> no. not going to say no to that no we will be back next week and we will be back probably to discuss uh, the newest aaron Rodgers turn because i'm sure something will happen in the next seven days but more so we'll be here to dissect the schedule and we'll find out what the schedule lies ahead and if the if the schedule makers at all did the niners dirty by sending them back east multiple times in a week or or what happened so we will be able to do what everybody does count the wins and count the losses here in may because that's what's going to happen so for jerry for jeff 
You've been listening to Three Side Sports. Thank you, everybody. Good night.